Good morning for Monday, November 20th, 2017. Audible presents the New York Times Audio Digest. Here's what's making news on the front page. As his power slips, Mugabe refuses to go. Subsidies keep many insured and satisfied. And a one-man legal factory fights Harvard. In today's national headlines, Alabama Democrats offer little help in race, Moore poses a quandary for pastors in Alabama, and at tribute, a Clinton loss in 2016 eclipses a win in 1992. In today's business headlines, $1,000 phone from Huawei stalks Apple. Chrysler minivan owners say engines shut off, and when pizza and bourbon are partisan, a struggle to adjust. There will be more business stories, more national and world news, a roundup from the sports page and New York Times columnist Charles M. Blow. Now, as selected by the editors of the New York Times, here are the stories on today's front page. The top stories titled, As His Power Slips, Mugabe Refuses to Go, reported from Harare, Zimbabwe, by Normitsu Onishi. The rapid fall of Zimbabwe's president, whose guile and ruthlessness helped him outmaneuver countless adversaries over nearly four decades, probably has surprised no one more than Robert Mugabe himself. But in just a matter of days, Mugabe, who ruled his nation since independence in 1980, was largely stripped of his authority, even as he still clung to the presidency. In a much-anticipated speech on Sunday night, Mugabe, instead of announcing his resignation as most of the country had expected, stunned Zimbabwe by refusing to say he was stepping down. While he conceded that his country was going through a difficult patch, he gave no sign that he recognized or accepted how severely the ground had shifted under him in such a short time. Earlier in the day, the governing ZANU-PF party, over which he had always exercised total domination, expelled Mugabe as leader with cheers and dancing erupting after the vote. Just days earlier, on Wednesday, soldiers put him under house arrest, and his 52-year-old wife Grace Mugabe, whose ambition contributed to his downfall, has not been seen in public since. The chain of events leading to Mugabe's downfall started on November 6th, when he fired his vice president, Emerson Menangangwa, a close ally of the military, and then tried to arrest the nation's top military commander a few days later. Mugabe had finally come down against the military and its political allies in a long-running feud inside the governing party. He crossed the red line, and we couldn't allow that to continue, said Douglas Mahia, a leader of the War Veterans Association, a group that has acted as the military's proxy in the country's political battles. A few hours after he was fired, Munangagwa, fearing arrest, fled with his son into neighboring Mozambique, where he has strong military ties. Several hours before the vice president escaped, Christopher Mustvangwa, the head of the War Veterans Association and one of Munangagwa's closest allies, had boarded a plane to South Africa. While Mustavanga worked on South African officials, Zimbabwe's longtime top military commander, General Constantino Chiwenga, was in China on an official trip. He was tipped off while abroad that Mugabe had ordered him arrested upon his return home, according to several people close to the military. The police were going to grab the general as soon as his plane touched down on November 12th. But as Chiwenga prepared to land, soldiers loyal to him infiltrated the airport. 
His troops, wearing the uniforms of baggage handlers, surprised and quickly overwhelmed the police. Before departing, the general is said to have told the police officers that he would deal with their commander, a Mugabe loyalist. Within just a couple of days, tanks had rumbled into the capital and soldiers had effectively deposed Mugabe. This is the second story on the front page. Subsidies keep many insured and satisfied. Reported by the editors of the New York Times. Alexia Manon Sr. is 27 and healthy, the type of person who might be most tempted to forego health insurance if Republicans enact a tax bill that repeals the Affordable Care Act's requirement that most Americans have coverage or pay a penalty. But Manon Sr., a graduate student in Miami, said she would hold tight to her coverage, at least as long as she keeps getting nearly $5,000 a year in government subsidies to pay for most of it. The reason why I am currently in the ACA is not because I want to avoid the tax penalty, she said. It's because of the what if. If something happens and I leave the hospital with a $10,000 bill, it's a lot of money that I don't have. People like Manon Sr. complicate the argument of the Senate Republicans who are counting on repeal of the so-called individual mandate to free up hundreds of billions of dollars to pay for an array of tax cuts. They're assuming that without a mandate, many people would no longer buy insurance, so the government would spend billions of dollars less on the subsidies the health law provides. In a survey this fall, the nonpartisan Kaiser Family Foundation found that just 7% of people who buy insurance on the individual market said they would go without coverage if the mandate were no longer enforced. A majority said the mandate was not a reason they bought insurance. Only about one in five said it was a major reason.